Hello again. Welcome to McNutty's podcast. I'm Chris McNutt, and this is episode two. And it wasn't my intention to take on such a meaty topic, such as God, in the second episode, but it just happened because of chatting with my friend Celia, who that's a big theme of who she is. So now that you're hearing that we're going into some God territory and you might be of the camp that's like, screw this. I'm clicking out of this damn podcast. I don't want to talk about no God. Or you also might be in the, oh my God, I love God category. My own experience with the notion of God is that while my mother tried to make me a Catholic when I was younger, it really didn't take, I really didn't get it. Um, I've spent a lifetime of being intellectual and choking out the word God, but through meditation and all the practice and experience I've had of the past years, that concept has soaked into my being over the years, but not in this traditional third dimensional way, because as we're evolving now and as humanity's taking this shift from a third density to a fourth density experience, I think the concept needs an overhaul. I think we might even need to ditch the word God because it's too loaded. It brings, for so many people, it just brings to mind this outdated concept of, you know, big guy in the sky, white beard, but it also brings up imams and allahs and mosques and churches and all the trappings and, you know, all the shit that goes along with that stuff as well that is triggering to use, you know, the phrases of the day, you know, it triggers us. And when we hear God, it just does not take us into this divine creator beingness that we actually are. And uh, recently, I've been digesting a lot of like channeled teachings coming in from galactic beings from beyond. And one of the main messages that keeps coming up again and again is humans, the time now is to get off your knees and stop worshiping God. Stop praying to God. Stop thinking of God as this thing that is external, that is outside of you. You are, we are, we're all divine creator beings. We are God. We embody God. We exist in a holographic universe, which one of the best descriptions I've heard is if you take a photograph of something and it's the photograph of a tree, and you cut it up into a whole bunch of little pieces. You know, our 3D notion is that you have lots of pieces about parts of the tree, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, and you'd have to put them together. But the holographic universe is such that you cut up those little pieces of the tree, and you get down to the smallest tiny piece that you've cut. It is still a complete picture of the tree. We all completely embody the everythingness of the universe and we have access to it at all times. Some of the teachings coming through is that we're actually 
programmed life forms. There's actually a DNA glitch that was programmed into us to worship, to externalize God. The beings that made us um, were like, wow, these humans are super cute. It'd be better if they worshiped us. It's like, oh, we could do something about that. So, you know, through the genetic manipulation that helped bring us into being, they made it so that we worship. And if you think about the teachings of Jesus and Buddha and all the yogis and lamas over time, who've basically been trying to tell us that God resides within and that, you know, you just have to access this, we still turn it into worship. We still turn it into Christianity. And, you know, man, go to India. Like all they do is like worship, 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 go to the temple, pray, 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 God, 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 something external, 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 you know? So, so for those of you that are in that God equals bullshit category that I sort of challenge you to spend some time looking eternally and try not to find a deep field of peace and love that is at your, the essence of your core. Now you could probably just like, I just did that and I didn't find anything. So that's all bullshit. And I'm clicking off this podcast and I guess you can do that, but it's also a challenge. Keep in mind, we live in an incredibly separated state of reality. They say the third density that we occupy is the most separated state of reality. So really your life is just this giant Rubik's Cube puzzle that you've been given to try to find your way back to source, light, love, the thing that some of us call God. And for those of you in that camp of like, oh my God, I love God, then, you know, a separate challenge is to look inside and is that love of God something external? Is that something that you think of that is outside of yourself? Is it still something you pray to as outside of you? Then challenge would be start making the shift into it being internal, that it is you, you are it. And that's why I think we need this new concept that God is this. It's a dead timeline. The the idea that we've been working with for the last 10, 15,000 years, it's time to shift into something else. I don't know what the new word could be. I kind of roll with divine consciousness, beingness, I don't know, because you can't even really name it. Um, I won't tell you what to do, but, you know, just don't don't get locked in anything. And I think that's kind of what we're pulling out of. We're pulling out of these concepts. We're locked and loaded. It's time to take back God, man. You can't tell me what God is. You don't know me. Now, my guest today is Celia McBride, and I met her many moons ago when she was a dramaturge working for the small theater company in my town that I live, Whitehorse, Yukon, and uh, there was a a small theater festival, and I had taken part in this 24-hour playwriting thing. She helped me turn that into this play called Things in My Fridge, where it was classic, small, experimental theater. There's like seven people in the audience. I'm up on this little stage with a fridge, and uh, my character is going through the fridge, and there's like bottles of hot sauce that is reminding him of his uh, former lover or lovers sort of thing. 
it uh, does not exist in any form. It was before the days of YouTube and where shit got like that got filmed and put out there for eternity. So there is no record of things in my fridge. It did have uh, uh, cyanide breath mint by Beck as the theme music, probably the most redeeming quality of it. Celia has become somebody in my life that uh, we meet occasionally and we just have fabulous conversations about our exploration into the great beyond. She's a writer. She's a yoga teacher and goes by the title spiritual director, helping many people around her in her daily life. Please welcome to McNutty's podcast, Celia McBride. I have this memory of you when we were working on, I'm just looking for something to eat in my fridge. Remember that? Things in my fridge. Things in my fridge. It ended up being just called things in my fridge. I I walked over to your apartment building from where I was living with an umbrella. And I'd been in the Yukon. Like, I mean, I'm from the Yukon, but I'd been in the Yukon for like, I don't know, a few weeks or something. And so I walk over with an umbrella and you, you, you were like, an umbrella? I don't think I've ever even seen an umbrella in this town. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Because I'm actually not even really an umbrella person, but I guess I'd been in the city for so long and it was like I'm walking along Lou's Boulevard with an umbrella. And you were just like, what is that? Yes, uh, those, that was in my was ruthless funny. smartass phase. I've I've done some <laughs> I've done some healing since then. I often I often joke with Ruth that that is going to be the final frontier. You know, like the last thing that you let go of. Like we have these attachments, and it's going to be clinging. I'm going to like make some smartass comment, oh, and then it's like I oh, think that category that like. <laughs> That that was not. You got to keep hanging on to that. That was funny. That was like legit funny. It still makes me laugh. Yes, of course. I okay, good. Yes, of course. I got to hang on. You to can't. It. Like I, this is where where I've gone wrong in ascending many times on the path. Is I I think it means I have to be like serious, and I've completely gotten thrown back into having to laugh at myself and it's like oh yeah don't lose your sense of humor on the path oh my god god no that is oh and even me and my humorous self has this serious side and i can i can get there too and you just it's like clenching onto something with this tight fist you know or some oh this is the part of my world i have to be serious about you know the other stuff you can joke about but this spiritual stuff now this is serious all i can say is that life has taught me the opposite this terminology we're all trying to embrace light and love and light what is light light is 
lightness. You don't take it seriously. You yeah. back off from that a little bit. It's not like that's not an appropriate um, alignment or something to kind of give it a little bit of focus or earnestness. But totally. I think you, you turn the dial and it ends up in seriousness. Yeah. And then then it's just like it's a block. It's just like it's you've just made limitation and some glass ceiling. You've, yeah. you've, you've done something that's not yeah. helpful. I've done that. I have like, you know, I've raised my hand if someone says, did anybody here do that? I'd be like, yep. You know, and then. Serious anonymous. Yeah. Oh my God. Take yourself too seriously, anonymous. My name's Celia and I haven't taken myself seriously for nine months now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Good, Celia. Good. Oh, God. If I could only get my nine month chip in that. Nine months. You're not even nine months in? Oh, God. No. No, 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 no. I take myself, you know. I take myself so seriously and it's like years I've been practicing letting go, lightening up. And it's just one of my defaults. I just end up in, I'm getting better. And the thing is, is I can notice it now. It's like, Oh, here I am in this place of thinking that I have to, like, I can't laugh at myself. I think, I mean, to be fair and to be gentle and to be sweet to myself, it actually comes from shame. Um, but it, so it's like, it comes from a real wound. But the thing is, once you start to heal that wound, start to get better, then you can just laugh at yourself. But if you tell someone who's like in the wound to just lighten up, it doesn't work. It does, it's like, no, it, let me re-traumatize you now and tell you to lighten up. It's like triage or... You know, it's like it's like a you come a, a car accident and somebody's got a broken leg and there's bleeding. You just have to deal with that. Yeah. You know, afterwards you tell them, oh, you should really do a shoulder check when you're switching lanes. You know, like you get into the <laughs> the meaning behind or how you ended up having an accident. But in that moment when they're in a crumpled car and you're just yeah. You know, you're getting them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's that's not the time, and I no. think that's a lot of that's really that gauge. We we have to do it with ourselves. We have to do it with other people because yeah. you work with others, don't I you? Do. Like you have sort of a business where you do that work with other people. I do. What's that? What's that look like? Well, it looks like a lot of different things. I'm trained as a spiritual director and. That even that title is a misnomer because I'm not actually. That's directing. a serious title. You want to <laughs> talk about seriousness? That's a serious it's title. So serious. It's so serious that people in that field have actually changed it to um, soul friend. You'll hear that. A company, spiritual accompaniment, spiritual companionship, uh, all of those things you know, are sort of an attempt to take that super serious title off it. But that super serious title came from when it was something relegated only to the monasteries where, you know, the novices had spiritual directors and probably the spiritual director in the monastery was doing some pretty heavy directing, but the evolution of that role which has become, you know, something that you can get trained in to accompany someone on their spiritual journey. There is actually no directing happening. It's, you know, a practice of deep listening and companionship. 
And so, you know, I do that one-on-one with people like you and me, and I do that in long-term care with people who either are fully cognitive or, you know, in a, the decline of dementia. And yeah, so it looks like a whole bunch of different things. So does the way you deal with people come from the training that you had at the monastery? Is it like of a lineage of a certain modality or is it just like, here's all the stuff I've done in the past and I'm just kind of winging it in the present? Yeah, no, I did a training program called the Jubilee Program. It's a Canadian program that was started by uh, he was an Anglican priest, so the program started, I would say, rooted in the Christian tradition, but it was a very broad, open, non-denominational program. So it was an experiential program. It was really about doing your own soul work so that you can accompany other people who are doing soul work. And, um, you know, when you say my time in the monastery, like I, I live, I, you know, I spent, I spent time in a monastery on retreat, but I, I really, I lived in a religious community for a year and a half. It wasn't officially a monastery. It was, they had a convent and a retreat center and I lived in both. And by that time I'd done my training as a spiritual director. So I was actively offering spiritual direction but I mean, everything that I do, especially the the work that I do on myself, you look like my own soul work, my own spiritual journey is informing how to listen, how to be with someone. Really, I'm just trying to meet people where they're at, whatever that might be. Even, you know, that might be someone who says, I don't have any faith. Um, I've lost my faith. I never had any to begin with, but I experience life in a spiritual way or I have a relationship with nature and, you know, and I feel that, you know, there's something uh, speaking to me, like my life is speaking to me in a certain way. So all, all different kinds of people on and off the path or everyone's on the path, but some don't see it as a path. That sounds like so much of what's going on today. Mm-hmm. Where the lineages, the schools, the modalities are, you know, you're not alone in putting them aside and I'm in the moment, I'm in my heart space, I'm just going with what's here. Because, yeah, anybody who's dabbled in a modality or a lineage knows there's also all kinds of dogma and limiting things as well. And really, proof in yeah. the pudding is in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me too, like, I think at one point in my life, it would have been really sort of attached to language and sort of naming something. And I have found actually, you know, we were joking before about like letting go of taking ourselves too seriously. I would say like the deeper I have gone into myself and my practices, the more capable I've become at just like none of no language even needed here. Like just, just letting go of, you know, what I call myself or what I don't call myself or 
you know, even when I came back from living in the religious community, which was a, a community of Catholic sisters, um, uh, you know, I really felt like it was important to name that I I had discovered that I was interspiritual, that I had that I draw from all these different traditions, and no one tradition suits me. And I, this this sort of amazing category of interspirituality was like, oh my god, that's where I belong, and that's what I am. And now, it's but even fun. that was a category. Even that's a category, said. right? A even category, that interspirituality words definition yeah and and i mean sometimes we need those things and i and i don't i don't i don't want to throw anything away anymore it's like if that fits great if it doesn't fit don't use it what you know use it tomorrow but don't use it today and it it just is like i don't know this kind of like liberating you, yeah like you were saying clinging like what am i clinging to and it's so easy to cling. It's so hard to let go. Well, it's, I've noticed in my own journey, I've had this really active mind that wants to think that it knows answers or it knows what's going on. So it's always taking this information and it wants to categorize it and it likes the words and it likes the concept. And it's like, hey, now I know what I'm talking about of the blah, 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 non-dual, blah, blah, blah. Let me explain it to you. Mm -hmm. And noticing now that, okay, that's just that thing that happens. We have these ego minds. They have a very specific purpose. They, um, some say they keep us rooted in this reality and we're here in this dimension to experience this. And that's your little anchor that helps you out. And it's, just busy and it's beacon off and it want, likes words and it likes concepts. And um, as you said, that next level is just really just feeling it's not, it's not, there's no words there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a new exploration for me as well to mm -hmm. kind of go there. I have a lot of that word concept habit, mm -hmm. you know, that to break. Yeah. I think we all do. And I'm reading a pretty interesting book called A History of God by Karen Armstrong. And she's writing about how some of the earliest prophets in both the Judaic and Christian traditions knew and understood that when you speak about God, you actually can't speak about God. There is nothing that you say that is going to enable any kind of understanding of this thing because it is actually beyond our intellectual mind, our, our verbal capacity to talk about it. And so they would write about God as that. And, and then, you know, over time we understand as um, religion became political or uh, part of a domination system uh, or a power structure, then God became housed as something to be talked about in a certain way. And it was so interesting for me to read that, you know, there has been a time and, and many times, I'm sure, where the people who were trying to lead or trying to understand 
what the F we're doing here, we're saying, you know, at some point you can't actually talk about what we're talking about. <laughs> like it's, you, you just can't, we don't even have, there's nothing you can say. It's beyond yes. all things. And at the same time, the, the paradox is that those words have helped me a lot on my journey in the way that I process concepts and take in information because whatever my stage of development's at, it's still very language-based, it's uh, concept-based, and so it has helped me. So right. as much as you can't do that, mm -hmm. um, we need to do you know, it. it yeah, we somehow need to do it. Or there's the Ramana Maharshis of the world who just kind of like, they're just zoned out and you just kind of went and sat with them. Yeah. You know, there's because it's just transmission or yeah. I've had experiences where, you know, working with teachers where they say, okay, I'm going to start talking some words, but, um, the words aren't important. Your mind wants to listen to the words, and but what's really going down is going to be energy transmission. So keep your heart open, keep your energy open, because that's where it's really going to happen. Mm -hmm. And your mind's going to think it's doing something. And yeah, you know, it's almost like a little kid with like toys. It's like the little you know parents who carry around the big bag of things for their baby you know and it's like every time they kind of like start to fidget it's like oh i got this little rattly thing or there's this chewy thing that comes out yeah. and sometimes with our minds it just needs to like fuck dude just have a crossword puzzle for a while and chill out while we download these codes totally <laughs> totally and that is so true like we need to try i mean i have needed to try on all kinds of different things from that bag of toys. And then, you know, and then there's this thing called silence. And it's like, oh my God, are we ever getting away from that with just like the constant stimulation of every possible device at our hands. And this, so, so connected to this concept of you can't really talk about, when you talk about God, you're not talking about anything um to you know how much time have you spent actually like doing nothing in silence listening to your mind or trying to let go of listening to your mind and i find like i mean this is obviously for me one of the things that i practice and have been practicing for years and oh my god the more i am on my devices the harder it gets like it is those distractions are they make it more and more difficult and i watch it in like you know kids that i know they're like in two seconds they're bored they just have like lost the ability you know everyone talks about kids and they're like when you were a child you could just play and look at flowers and you didn't need to do anything it's like not now now kids are like, they need to be stimulated. Maybe not all kids, but. They have to watch it. Parents put videos on in the minivan for kids to watch, like just driving to school in the morning. Yeah, I know. Like, we used to go cross country in a station wagon. And yeah. it's just like, look out the window or bug your sister Fight. or read the same comic books because you only brought like. There's 12 of them and you'll read them over and over again and pass them around. And, you know, I can't say it was 
super pleasant all the time. No, like we the hop fought. in the car. Yeah. And the parents would say, Oh, look, we're driving 12 hours today. And it would just be like, Oh, yeah. Fuck, 12 hours. Yeah. Oh my God. It's going to be brutal. <laughs> but at the same time, the flip side where, you know, this, it's kind of an experiment, right? It's this new thing that we're doing. Adults yeah. are doing it. Kids are doing it. What happens if you're completely satiated with entertainment or yeah. distraction at all moments, what happens? What's the equal sign when you do that? And yeah. it's, this is kind of part of the experiment of the present moment that the we're going through. The human experiment. And it's freaking everywhere. Like I was in India two years ago. Oh my God, that like they are on, those people are on their phones. That's the selfie capital of oh, yeah? the world. Huh. Yeah, just always taking selfies, taking pictures. Wow. Um, well, they're very family oriented and they, they're always with friends and family. So they're just there and they're just taking, that's how they kind of interact. It just, there's pictures, there's, yeah. And, yeah. um, and the flip side is the amazing levels of education and things they've been exposed to yeah. now by having the internet at their fingertips. So yeah. it's the sharpest two edged sword that humans have ever held in their hands. Totally. Oh my God. But I, it's not silence. It's not silence. Oh my God. I, I would love, like, I want to see what happens. Like, and I don't know about, you know, I have made no decisions about what happens after death or what I think happens after death, but I, I want to see it. Like, I want to be like, what is this current experience, human experiment of like constant stimulation? How is all that going to turn out? What is going to happen? And I hope like sometimes I just like come to consciousness in myself where I'm suddenly like, oh, I'm awake. I think maybe that'll happen like in some other form where I'll be like, Oh, I'm awake. And I, but it'll be later and I get to see what's happening. That just made me think of like awakening stories and where um, like Eckhart Tolle, who was just sitting on a park bench, very miserable in a very confused, miserable time of his life. And he just sort of popped. So who's to say that kids aren't going to be like playing video games with these rattled mind streams that are tied in these weird consciousness knots. And yeah. it's not just going to like pop them out in some strange way. Or oh, yeah. as I also say to my own kids who are in their twenties, this is what you guys are going to unravel in meditation retreats when you're in your forties. Oh, for you sure. Know, I kind of went and I had to sit on my own cushion and I had to unpack, you know, my 40 years of life and you guys are going to have to do the same. And it's a lot of it is going to be these devices that you're just sucking your energy into. And um, yeah, this is your challenge. Yeah, for sure. And you know, God or consciousness or whatever you want to call it has a way of breaking through. Like, I'm not worried. I'm not one of these people that thinks, oh my God, humanity is going to hell in a handbasket. What's going to, you know, I, this thing that you can't talk about that we're trying to talk about, it, it, it gets through. Like it doesn't, it's, it's actually it created the ego so it can actually penetrate the ego. So the, like those moments are going to continue to happen in 
people who end up being game changers, either in their own lives or in the lives of others. I have no doubt about that. And not because I'm, I have blind faith in something, but I always look back to figure out what it's going to look like ahead. And especially when you read, you know, God, read a history of God. And this is like 10,000 BC, this, this experience was happening to this civilization. And, you know, we're, we're like figuring out something they already knew 12,000 years ago. And we're just like, Oh, really? We're, this is new now. And it's like, no, they knew this 12,000 years ago. They knew this. Are you following or connected to any of the new, well, I don't think it's new, but it's got a, definitely got a revival talk about Atlantis and Lemuria and civilizations perhaps that were quite advanced that existed thousands and thousands of years ago with advanced technology. Is that? I have not, I have not come across those. I mean, maybe like, vaguely but not enough to um say oh yeah i read about that had a conversation about that you're not like getting any like atlantis downloads in your dreams i'm not getting the atlantis downloads actually i'm I'm getting some like occasionally i get the extraterrestrial downloads and even one like this last week it was um like the u.s government is like about to release something that they you know, have never been, never been released before. And it's not a confirmation of extraterrestrial activity, but it's uh, an admission that they do not know what this stuff is and that they can't, they've tried to explain it away and they can't. So that was pretty interesting. You got that as a download that came to you and that came to me on my CBC app. Oh, that kind of download (laughs) from the news. From the news. The The news download. You got that one from the news. It didn't come from me, come from like a a mental download. Right. Or consciousness download. It wasn't lucid dreaming and you were in remote viewing the Pentagon while these guys were having this meeting. No. Although I have been doing some lucid dreaming and it's pretty interesting to be able to do that. Tell me about that because my son, my youngest son, has recently told me he's had some lucid dreaming experiences. Not going looking for it, but it just sort of happened. That's cool. My most recent one was actually was a week ago, and I was with a friend, and she drove to the very edge of a cliff, and we were in a this car. This is in the dream. This is a dream, right. and the cliff was like two thousand, three thousand feet high, and we like the car was about to tip over it. And we looked like down. Thelma and Louise. Yes, very Thelma and Louise, except it was like a green trees, like almost like looking down at, you know, a Yukon from the plain, a Yukon like forest from the plain. And she was like, we have to go over. We're going over. I can't. We're going over. And as we went over, I said, okay, I'm going to die when we hit impact, when we make impact. But this is a dream. So it's okay if I die because I'm dreaming and I'll just allow myself to die in the dream and see what happens. So we fall and, and I, as we hit 
the ground, we make impact. I am conscious of the fact that I am dying. I have just died, but also conscious of the fact that I'm dreaming. So I let myself continue to fall knowing I'm dead, but not dead. And I continue to fall into blackness, sort of cosmic nothingness. And so you died. This yeah. is this is this is lucid dreaming death experience. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you're checking a lot of boxes all at once. I know. I know. I was pretty pleased. I was like, wow, that's uh, I'm like super enlightened now. So you're in cosmic blackness. That's it. And that's it? Yeah. That was it. Then that's the, as exciting as your That's it. It was like falling into the cosmos knowing that I was uh, there was no fear. I was, I was, you know, the falling was almost like mm, being caught, you know, the, that's it. And then I must have segued into another dream or half woken up. What was the feeling? Like, was it, was there fear or was there just peace? There was fear right before we went over the cliff, like abject terror. And then once I had that lucid thought of this is a dream and you you won't actually die, just go with it, die and go with it because you're dreaming. Then it was a total surrender and yeah, a sense of peace, a sense of being, being caught even while falling, I guess. And then you bopped out of it and went into another dream that you were like grocery shopping or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm dead. Like I'm in the cosmic consciousness, blackness, peaceful feeling. Yeah. But now it's time to get now, groceries. Now it's time to get groceries. That could be how it is. Could it be. Absolutely could be how it is when we get to the other side. Maybe this is just like a day at work. Yeah. And it's just like you're done. Totally. It's like four thirty, five o'clock, you leave the office and it's like got to get some groceries. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. you just pop out of it. And as you look at your phone and there's like text from your partner who says, yeah, you got to pick up some goat cheese. And it's like, yeah, off I go to the organic market. Yeah, exactly. And I like, I like the multiverse theory, you know, it's like we're pop, we're just popping from universe to universe in the multiverse. I like that. Do you play around with the idea or the concept of timelines at all? How so? Has that, come, has that come across your path? Or just that notion about we can always just change timelines. Like there's ultimate, there's different universes, but we just exist in different timelines. Have you heard of the the Mandela effect as that ex, as an example? Um, maybe, maybe not. So there's an experience that many people claim to have had that. Um, Nelson Mandela died in the 1990s. And they remember a big state funeral. They remember the morning. They remember the events. And then it's like, but no, Nelson Mandela died in 2006 or something like that. But there has been many people who said, no, what what the fuck? No, he died in the 90s. So it's an example of like, it was just a timeline. Like wow. there was the one timeline, he died in the 90s, and then it was like, oh, everyone popped onto another timeline, and he died 10 years later. Wow. And I had a similar experience last year with another public figure 
uh, Eric von Dyneken. He wrote the, the, the work, um, chariots of the gods. I read it as a kid. I got it out of the library. It was like, he was like a UFO researcher uh-huh. back in the sixties and seventies. And he wrote, he wrote about Peru and he wrote about the pyramids. And I swear he died. Like two years ago, I remember seeing <laughs> Facebook posts. I remember the morning. I remember like wow. little memorial videos. Really? And then six months ago, I see that he's speaking at this conference this summer. No kidding. Yeah. And so it's like, and I check and it's like, Eric Von, I do Google search, Eric Von Dynakin, did he die? And it's like, no, he didn't die. Wow. It's like he's alive. He's at this conference this summer. It's like, no, I read the freaking obituaries because I remember. And that, you know, they say that was like my own personal little Mandela effect. I guess anybody out there who had the same experience with Eric Von Dynakin dying, let me know. But um, yeah, wow. just this, I don't know, it's this new what do you want to call the new age spiritual concepts, downloads, codes that are coming in this idea of timelines that kind of keeps coming in from a lot of our galactic friends as an explanation that we we're riding right. certain timelines. And then we just, you just hop on another one and there's infinite timelines or there's infinite use that are having different experiences yeah. and it goes off and it's like, you know, it's as simple as like, Oh, I'm going to have cereal for breakfast. It's like, yeah. no, I'm going to have avocado toast. And there was one you that went off and had avocado toast. And there's one you that actually had cereal. Yeah. And for some reason we're rooted in the perspective of only being in one of those experiences. Yeah. So it seems, yeah. but apparently you know, these are some of the concepts that our little three-dimensional mind is trying to get, you know, the higher dimensional beings are trying to tell us that, hey, kids, this is actually how it happens. I know you don't experience it that way, but yeah, this is what's going on. I like it. I like it. And, you know, again, it's like the more I let go, the more I am open to the possibility of anything. It's like, yeah, I, I, not only could I buy that, but I've also had, I haven't had the, those experiences of like, well, actually I did see one person die on Facebook and I was like, that person died. Oh my God. And then it was fake news. So that's not always like what you're talking it's about. It's not the same it's thing the as same the thing. Mandela effect with Tom. It's not lines. the same thing. But this I, is somebody I, kind of screwing with you. Yeah, but I like that. And, you know, there I have, do have those moments where it's like, well, has this happened before? Or what? where would I be if I'd made that decision? And maybe I am somewhere else making that decision. Wasn't there a movie? with? I never saw it. But isn't Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow about that? Did you ever see that? I don't know. Yeah. No. Okay. Different podcast. I don't care about my higher self Books I never read up on my shelf Spirit guides feed me deep fried cod Cause I like God So after all this, I remember years ago On the little beer having a chat And you, you referred to yourself as a bhakti yoga Oh yeah, a bhakti yogi. I did. Bhakti yogi, devotion and God. Is that still strong within your heart, faith in in that path? 
Yeah, for sure. And probably like, you know, in my, if someone said, you know, how do you describe yourself? And I would say, oh, I'm interspiritual or I'm a salad bar, you know, spirituality. Um, Bhakti yoga would be one of my paths. Um, When I did my yoga teacher's training and I was living on the ashram for that month, that, and I sort of learned that there were these different paths of yoga and that one of them was devotion. I just instantly knew that's what I was because again, like when I speak about God, I'm not, I'm speaking about that thing that is unspeakable. I'm speaking about that, which we cannot explain or even put words to. Nevertheless, whatever that is, um, I have been having a love affair with that since I was a very small child. And so, you know, it's only in my adult years where I've been able to really understand, oh my gosh, you know, I, I am in love with, with God and how do I express that and how do I live that out and how do I explain it or how do I not explain it? Um, you know, which is why I, I pursued, you know, was I going to be a Swami in the yogic tradition? When I, was I going to be a monk in the Christian tradition? Um, but that is, that's that devotion. That's that kind of love. It's not romantic love, but it sort of is. And in the Christian tradition, it's like, oh, you know, you could become a nun and you can get married to God. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that makes sense to me. Um, in, in, a, in a more abstract way, you know, uh, although it can be for some uh, religious, quite literal, like, like Jesus is there. They are the bride of Jesus. Uh, none is a bride of Jesus. So yeah, that, that, that definitely like bhakti yoga is for sure. When I, when I started with studying that, I was like, I just knew that's what I was. In your travels out there, do you find that it's shared? Do you find people such as yourself in having that same experience? Yes, I do. And I, I, it's really fun to meet those people because I meet lots of seekers. I meet lots of people uh, seeking something, you know, in, in whatever tradition. And then, you know, I meet the people that say, it's like, I'm in love with God. I'm in love with God too. Oh my God. You know, then we're kind of having this conversation about what that means to love God. And, you know, again, like if you're listening and you think I'm talking about something um, like a, a man in the sky. So this is without any sort of definition concept. No big old guy in the sky. It's not Shiva. It's not even goddess. It's not even male, female per se. It's beyond that. It's beyond that. It's this thing that I was talking about, you know, at the beginning, it's, you know, I mean, I could say, I could say I'm in love with existence, you know, uh, although sometimes I don't love existing, you know, but, but the fact that I exist, that is what I'm in love with. And so it's not a concept. It's a, a reality. 
and it's a reality that knows itself, you know? And, and so because it knows itself and because I'm able to know it, love, love comes, comes forth. And so, you know, I, I could meet someone and I've met people and that it's like, Oh, I love God. I love God. Dude. As I said, but it can come out as I love Jesus or I love Shiva or I love um, Krishna or I love Buddha. Um, it, it can be felt or practiced or lived out that way. Um, and, and that's, you know, in a, in a positive sense, I would say that's what re- religion provides is it gives us something to love. Um, you know, it gives us a, an image or a, a, you know, a being or something to love because of, as you were saying, like, I, we can't talk about, but I need to talk about it. So. And some say that the mere function that the great beyond nothingness consciousness provides for us is, well, then it comes back to you that way. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be Shiva, then it's Shiva. And then yeah. you have visions of Shiva and it it talks back to you in that way or it puts on the clothes that you want it to wear, so to speak. Totally. I've, I, I just read recently a fascinating book by, called the, an autobi- the Autobiography of Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, a woman channeled it. I can't bring her name to mind right now. She's from Salt Spring Island, BC, and uh, channeled this book over the course of a year. And where Jesus, you know, he's saying, again, kind of real high dimensional being. And we'll go, we'll use the name Jesus, though you talk about me coming back. Uh, me, we have been in many forms over the years. One of them was Jesus. But he also said that, when I was in form, when I was in physical form as Jesus, and now years later, there has been so much love that has come my way from humanity that he described his own beingness as like expanded, like immensely, like he has turned he, she, it, they, I think it's a collective consciousness has, but this, it has expanded to such a high degree because of the love that has come his way over the years and that he is that much more of a powerful being now because Mm. it's, it's a relationship. It's a back and forth. It's a give and take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And that makes a lot of sense to me. That sort of brings in like, you know, the, the Christ consciousness, like that makes sense. Or if you're talking about the love of Christ or, or the, the activity, even the activity of Christ, that would make sense that it's kind of emanating back uh, that love. And I also want to say what you said. I really agree with this concept of like whatever you – want God to be, God will show up as that. So if you want God to be nothing and not exist, 
that's your experience is going to absolutely. God's like, I'm cool. Yeah. yeah. Your experience is absolutely going to reflect that. that. I just leave you alone. It's like, yeah, I got other things to do. <laughs> don't, don't worry about me. I'm fine, man. <laughs> or if you think like if you're stuck in the God is punishing, wrathful, like someone who makes bad things happen, who like abandons people and makes like suffering, then that is absolutely going to be your experience. And it, it is so interesting to me that one of the one of the qualities, like when I talk about God, that the God that we can't talk about, I talk about God as malleable. Like whatever you want God to be, God will show up as that, and it just seems to be true. And that could lead into oh, your thoughts create your reality. Um, but I I I I stumble on that one because. I, that there are varying degrees of consciousness that we are. And there's various degrees of thoughts yeah. that we operate on. Yeah. You know, so, so you got to be really careful with your thoughts, create your reality. It's like, yeah. And I don't have access to some of my thoughts and I don't have, I, I have not reached a level where I can access uh, a, a level of my consciousness to, in order to create that. So, oh, then I'm doing it subconsciously. So this is why this is happening. And this is why I got sick. And I just think we have to be really careful with that. Your thoughts create your reality thing. Darling, that is a whole other podcast. It is. Topic. You're right. That is a, like, it's episodes. That's a series. That's like, that okay, is, I'll come back that when is you're a on. series. Our thoughts create our reality. <laughs> and at the same time, I've drawn to the concept of the paradox is the alchemy. That it, that's what takes you to the next level. That it is these seemingly opposite concepts that take part in our head. Yeah. That yes, you do create your own reality. And at the same time, you don't. And somewhere in the synthesis of that is what will take you to another level of understanding mm. that, mm. that we are, we're, we're limited. This experience is deliberately limiting. It's yeah. not, it's not a curse. It's not, you know, yeah, people talk about it. Yes, th there's some evil forces. There's people talk about reptilian aliens overlaying our false matrix. And at the same time, it's just, here's an experience. You divine being of light that floats through consciousness and the galaxies and the universes for eternity. It's like a it's like a ride at the amusement park, mm -hmm. you know. Like go on this roller coaster. It's called being human, and these are the parameters, and it's very limiting. And you're really going to believe that you are this individual person, mm -hmm. and your senses and all your experience is going to just reinforce that for you, moment to moment. And it's like a little puzzle, kind of. Yeah. Here you go. Have this little puzzle to play with, yeah. sort of thing. And and so some of these things we'll never know, mm -hmm. but. We like to sit around and talk about them. We like to feel them. And again, comes back to, I, we've been saying the same thing. The truth's really in the feeling. And the, you know, the paradox is absolutely vital. It's a vital lens because, yeah, you can't talk about God and you can. And we're here and we're not here. And you're spiritual and you're human. And it's real and it's not real. And you're dreaming and you're awake. And it's like, 
that's again the more that I mature, the more that I let go, it becomes easier to embrace that. It becomes easier to kind of live in that ambiguity rather than one or the other. I still live in one or the other most of the time. And then, you know, the practices help me to bear the the paradox, which can be excruciating at times. I used to look for meaning and want truth and I wanted an understanding and I would sit there and spin it in my mind. And now it's just more and more, I just faced with the facts. I don't understand this. I don't know what the yeah. hell's going on. And yeah. I just go, cool. It's just kind of my reaction. It's like, whoa, cool. Yeah. I don't freaking know. I don't know. These people say this, they say that. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I just had this experience. Yeah. I just had some timeline shift thing happen. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But but the the necessity or the need to have some meaning and some understanding has faded for me and it's it's a relief. Yeah. That's all I can say. It just it's a relief. It's just it's more peaceful, it's more fun, you know, like uh I follow um Jessa Reed is her name and she does some awakening podcasts and uh and she was a stand-up comic and I appreciate her humor and everything she brings to it. But she says, all you're doing is making this story up anyways. Like you don't realize, like you have this belief that, that there is reality. And so, and you're describing something that is, I don't know, some baseline thing, but no, there is none of that. So everything that's going on, is just a story you're telling. You're just making it up. So you might as well make up a fun one. You might as well make it a fun story. Pretend you're a secret agent from the Galactic Federation or like you might as well just go have some fun with it. Mess around. And it's back to what we started off talking about. Don't take it all too seriously. Yeah. And then it's just it becomes lighter. Yeah. Yeah. And and as you know, it takes a while to get there. Like, again, this is right back to what we were talking about. Like I, you know, I work with people who are just not there. Like they are just not there. They are um, in their trauma. They are in their beliefs of who they are. Yeah. And it's all real. And you can't, that's the thing. It's like, that's the paradox again. It is real. And you that's, can't deny that's the it. paradox. You can't say, hey man, you're just making this all up. It's like, yeah, yeah but the experience is complete. It's visceral yeah. and it is real. It's totally real. And it's not real. And you can't tell someone who's in the real that it's not real. That's a journey, you know, and that's the spiritual journey. It's a human journey, but it's a journey. And so, you know, I, when I discovered this, concept called spiritual bypassing a few years ago i was like oh first of all yeah everybody's doing that and second of all i'm doing that it's like oh my god and i'm doing it because i want to get there where there's nowhere to get by the way but i want to get there and i want to bypass my pain. I want to bypass my fear. I want to bypass my taking myself too seriously. I want to bypass, bypass. bypass. And it's like, yeah, 
You know, I can't, and that's the one, again, one of the beautiful things about spiritual direction is it's not therapy and it's not coaching. And I've been a coach. I have some coaching training and, but uh, you know, it's like, I'm not going to motivate you to do anything. I'm not going to, you know, encourage you to get back on the cushion. It's like, where are you at in your journey? And I support you in that place. And so, yeah, it's, I love that you just said, you know, that freedom of, I don't know, that's a beautiful freedom to have. And knowing you, you know, not super well, but as well as I do, I know you've done a lot of work to get there. You know, you didn't just like arrive at that lighthearted, I don't know, that's it's no without the other side of the coin where then it's like well what the fuck do i know like what what does any of this mean and then you gotta deal with that existentialism as well what am i doing here i woke up in the morning yeah i could do you know it's it's not without yeah without fear and uncertainty and all that sort of thing but there's also something about just embracing that too it's like i have nothing else to do i'm just here being human yeah so i'm going to be fearful i'm going to feel these emotions i'm just going to i'm going to do it i yeah help bypassing damn <laughs> damn do know that all so well same thing thought i was getting somewhere now there's nowhere to get to but nowhere it to does get to. It, it takes time it's uh yeah this stuff this stuff takes time it does and i work with you know people in long-term care who are facing their death you know we're all facing our death, by the way, but most of us, you know, don't think we are and we can get away with that for a while. But people who are like in their 90s or in long term care for physical um, illness, they are looking at the last leg. And it's amazing to be with people who are facing their death in a very real way. And, you know, some of these things that we're talking about, what it means, you know, what, and, and how do I, how do I look now back on my life at everything I've done and I'm about to go and what the hell does it all mean? You know, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it takes time and then you have no time left. And then it's like, well, what the hell is that all about? (laughs) Exactly. What was that all about? Or we just have eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Popping in and out, popping over. I'm just popping over to the next multiverse now. Popping over to the next bubble. Who knows? Next time you have the the vivid dream of going off the cliff. Yeah. And going into the blackness just just hang out there for a little bit longer yeah, see idea. what it is so you can come back and you can report because um you'll you'll have to come back to the mcnudius podcast again sometime i have been, to and i will it's, okay it's been a delightful chat it's always a delight mcnut thank you so if uh anyone wants to connect in a different way than just listening to this chat with Celia McBride, how do they do that? What, what's on offer? They can go to my website, celiamcbride.com and there they can 
contact me. They can watch some silly videos, some serious videos. They can uh, keep track of my the book that I will be publishing called Oh My God. And they can they can sign up for my newsletter, the Healing Journey Letter, which honestly, like I hardly ever send it out. So you won't be bombarded with information. Trust me. Not a spam factory, celiamcbride.com. Def not. Def not. How soon to the book? Looking at a spring 2022 publication. Oh my God is the working title. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> OMG. Celia, this has been wonderful and uh, best of luck with summer goodness and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, McNutt. You too. Eating from a spiritual salad bar Drive through church sitting in my car Angels and gurus giving me the nod Cause I like God A big McNutty shout out to the band Eels And their song I Like Birds inspiration for this week's musical accompaniment if you'd like to connect mcnuttiest is all you need to know mcnuttiest instagram mcnuttiest facebook or you can send me an email to yo that's y o yo at mcnuttiest.com i'm chris mcnutt thanks for tuning in to the mcnuttiest podcast we'll catch you next time <laughs>